Well, you kept yeah. it. You kept the pedal to the metal as far as I'm concerned with special things. I mean, um, you didn't have a glide on there, although spread that feeling seemed a little bit like a glide influence to me. Um, That's but, a great cut. Yeah, yeah. All right. But I mean, really strong. Another strong, strong record. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't write another glide. I guess maybe that was my resistance to being, you know, the formula thing. It's like, okay, let's do something. You know, I don't know. Who knows? I guess I could. We could have, right, Mike? We thought about it. Didn't we talk well, about it? You know, the funny know. thing about this is that is that you, but you did, <laughs> but you did come back with take a chance. I had, yeah. Well, there All you go. I got to say, I love the group vocal on that one. What'd you say, Scott? The group vocal on that one is really cool. Take a chance. Well, thank you thank very, you. very much. I thank all you. I gotta say to you is this like that and that trumpet solo, but that tune Tony Collins. That tune is so fantastic. You know, it's it's got elements of anything you could ever want, and it is so um again, it's so progressive. How many tunes out there are like that? Not many. Did we no. try to make it a formula? No. But no. you brought you and again, you gave me such an opportunity to play so much road jazz <laughs> on one cut that it was just such a joy for I me to be able to. Any... We innovated some pretty cool stuff. That's how I feel about it. I couldn't have had it any other way, man. That's that's the way it is. I mean, but we, we we were just doing our thing, and that was another transitional period for the band. I mean, that coming up yes. a few now, some personnel changes, the whole thing, going through a little drama and all of that. Um, yep. I have to come. I'm just glad that that we still managed to do what we did for, for that project. And I, you know, it's just, a, you know, I'm just happy that it worked out. Well, on this <laughs> record, on this record, I mean, I felt there were some influences that I hadn't heard in other ones, you know, in a good way. I, you know, I heard a little Earth, Wind, and Fire, a little um, uh, uh, Return to Forever, you know, just before. It was more like Crusaders, Headhunters influence. Yes. A little more edge, a little more sort of Return to Forever influence on this one. Um, it's really, really cool. Good stuff. Thank you so much. Thank it's you. been. It was. It was really fun to make it, and I'm just gonna throw this little, little uh, bug out there. So, making this, we actually did it where we had um, several remote cameras recording each person as they were as we recorded as an ensemble and so we actually have more hd footage of how we put that record together um to make like a full feature documentary film oh. so like in sometime in the future people are actually going to be able to see us making this record that is exciting. that's going to be fun so all these years later I'm talking about the record that we're talking about now. Now, Michael, Michael jumped into now's the time. I wish oh, we I'll did, special things. I wish we did have documentation of video documentation. Wouldn't that be incredible? Because we could, been, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. But I and I, I have to say though, that's the great thing is to be able to for people to be able to actually see us do what we do. That's and that's a part of what I wanted to capture by by doing it this time around. I think people need to see us actually make this music to understand it and that way there won't be any more speculation about who does what and what happens and 
you know, it'll it'll be out there for everybody to actually see. That'll be it's phenomenal. a big deal. That'll be phenomenal, Michael. Um, why did you guys break up though? Way back. Well, here's here's my take on it. If I can, I speak first, Nate. Yes, I don't know because of what you're going to say. I don't know if you can speak first. Well, just shut me up again. You, you guys, you both have done it twice. So shut me Go up ahead, if you man. need to. But um, um, our our breakup, um, which is which is different from than our our hiatus after the breakup. But our our breakup came um, because we fired our management really, and um, there was just so much. Uh, attachment to our management um, that, you know, essentially Marlon said, well, if he goes, I go. And we said, okay, well, that's, that's that. Um, and we finished special things without Marlon. Marlon started the process with special things. Obviously, Yuri and Vernon is on special things, but we finished it without him. And um, from there, we went on to make the RCA record. And I was in law school when we made um, Give It Up, the RCA When record. did you get interested in law? Well, our management problem that we had inspired you caused me to like look at the course of my life. And I have to tell you, with all of the joy and all of the musical success, we were not successful monetarily by any stretch of the imagination. And, and it really looked like um, we weren't headed in a really great direction because at that time, the way that we understood it, we were brought off the road when we were, we were um, on the road and Glide was a number two hit record to start making special things. And we really were all in to get a number one hit record. Absolutely. I mean, and I don't understand why couldn't it have waited until we got a number one hit record? Like how long would it, could it have taken? But we complied and then we were making special things and we were told that Marlon would be um, making a solo record. But the expectations were that we would be making that record with him and for him. and. It's like, if it's a solo record, why should we be diluting our sound to do that? But we felt like that was a conflict of interest. I was a political science major uh, in my undergrad studies, and so I was groomed for law school. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want to live in um, an industry where I was disempowered. Um, I'd have to rely on people and... I wouldn't be able to at least know what um, my best options should be. And that's when I tell you about, you know, I'm not the kind of person who uh, doesn't figure out a way to get things done. I'm that kind of person. I've always been that kind of person. That's why I think I was very helpful to the young pleasure. I was the person who found a way to get things done. Even in the studio, I was a person who would figure out a way to get things done. And I did. And so I was determined to not ever have this kind of situation ever happen to me again. So that's what took me to law school. Um, but um, once we made uh, Give It Up, 
I think no. that we were just too volatile. With that record was, was definitely a different sound, too. I mean, it was more right. uh, commercial and conventional. And um, yeah, I don't know how much, how much yes. input you guys had in how that turned out, but it definitely did not follow the arc, in my opinion, that you guys were on. That trajectory... No. Yeah. yeah, Robert Wright was the, was the um, A&R person who signed us, and he had a very heavy hand in the chorus and direction of the record. But we liked the direction. We didn't, we, for instance, this is when I was talking about some of my brother's best work. I think Sending My Love is an incredible record. I mean, I think that's a great tune. And all you got to do is just listen to it, listen to Nate. Um, uh, we made us. We made a slot on broadcast TV for the Rhythm and Blues Awards. Behind that tune, you can't like you know, Sassy Baby. Um, I mean, there's a lot of great tunes. Randy Hall and we were talking with Randy Hall, who did uh, co-leads on that tune yesterday, and Randy was just talking about some of the tunes that he sang. He still gets great responses of people, but it was an '80s direction, a different direction. And both Robert uh, Wright and Michael Brower, who went on to produce, I mean, engineer at least, if not produce Coldplay um, and do some other things, you know, I don't think you can listen to Coldplay and say it's some of the most innovative music you've ever heard. Um, but um, it was just a different direction. I think that it was good for us to take it. Um, but yeah, it is not... It is not in the direction of future now or special things. I'm just curious. The title track to me, I, I heard, I felt like there was like Doobie Brothers influence in that. Yes. Track. Robert so. Wright was a Doobie Brothers fan. So <laughs> like, take it to the streets, even the title of Take It to the Streets. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, what's um, you, mean, you mean giving up sounds like 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 Doobie Brothers? <laughs> no, 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 no. He's saying he's what he's really saying is just um he's just saying it's just like it's got that. It's got that. Um, Doobie Brothers fault line. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I know. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, it was, it was a different uh, departure for us, and because of Robert Wright's pretty much in, influence on that, we had taken a, a hiatus after after Special Things. Anyway, it was like over a year, or maybe two years or something before we yeah. back in. And Robert came and saw us, and we went back in. I think we just at, the, at that point we just wanted to get her make a record. He wanted. He said. That I want to make true. a record with you guys. So we're like, okay, let's go. Let's make a record. But, um, you know, when you go in there, <laughs> you start making records. <laughs> like somebody that. else is telling you what to do. Telling us what to do, man. It's, pretty, it's a pretty tough thing to heed, to, 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 to obey. <laughs> it we is. did, though. No, we it did. is. You know, it, it is. And then you went on and, and worked with Marlon again some later on. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, out of all the controversy and the whole breakup when Marlon left or when he was fired, I still have trouble thinking which one it was. But, but I, I, you know, at, at the time of that breakup, I remember distinctly getting a call from Marlon, and it was, you know, it was pretty upsetting to hear um, um, his him being upset about the whole thing, and. Um, you know, I, I told him, hey, Marlon, dude, I love you. Um, you kind of, I, I don't know what I can do. I don't know what I can do to help you, you know. Um, and so, you know, a 
couple of years went by, and um, I went to um, Portland, and you know, I wanted to start another band and all that stuff. Um, on a group called Cooler that we had up there was we did very well. We wound up being on A and M Records. Um, but anyway, Marlon would call every now and then we chat, and and uh, there, there was a slot came up for for me to play in the Daz Band. And I took, I said, yeah, why not? You know, play the Daz Band. And so we we continued our, our journey together a little bit, you know, for for the sake of just. You know, just trying to just trying to work. You know, he provide a little bit of work for 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 the both of us, and uh, we wound up doing a lot of projects for for Tommy and Denny, Two Tough Enough Productions up there. The guys are producing Vogue and a couple of other acts. Did a lot of stuff with them, and um, interesting journey. Um, we we wound, we wound up doing um, later on um, United We Funk All Stars thing. That was a thing with uh, all all a lot of these. Um, Soul Acts, uh, Confunction, Charlie sure. Wilson was in it, sure. SOS Band. Yeah, yeah, all, the whole thing. And even even um, uh, Roger was supposed to be a part of it, but he passed away. But we did get him on one track. Um, uh, Rick James, who was supposed to be a part of it, he passed away too. It was, it was the weirdest times. You know, but he was supposed to be a part of it as well. So we, we did a lot of stuff together. You know, um, but always in the back of my mind, I just, I just, just, I, I, I would always hope for a reconciliation, but I just knew that it just it couldn't happen. I just knew it couldn't happen. Um, yeah. I just knew it couldn't happen because um, I, I, I knew eventually the band was going to eventually get back together. I, I knew at some point, pleasure. You know, we can't just let all that go. Can't let it all go down the drain. It's too, we have too much more to say, you know. But um, I guess the, the the big question is, like people ask, is where is Where's Sherman? Where's Marlon? Where's Where's Donald? Uh, Donald, all that stuff, you know. I think, yeah. um, you know, I put it this way: I still, I still converse with Marlon on occasions, um, but I think we just uh, um, on this project. I'm, I'm jumping forward now to to the new thing. We decided to take the path of least resistance. You know, we just kind of <laughs> we're like looking. I'm laughing. At, okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going. I'm going through years of, of um, you know, of, of, of hanging with Marlon, doing the thing, and I, and I love Marlon. Like, there's nothing, you know. A lot I'm, of baggage there. Yeah, yeah. There's still a lot of stuff there, you know. And he he was still aligned with with this with the guy that we fired, you know. So it's like, okay, you're still aligned with this guy. So, but uh, but then you you know, it, it, it just got too complicated. So the path of least resistance. Was where is where we decided to go. Yeah, you know, it's 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 easy for everybody to want uh, a divorced family or a, you know to, to like reconcile and be happy every ever after. And you know, it's 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 easy. But you know, you know, you you couldn't put Lennon and McCartney back together. You couldn't put you know when Michael <laughs> McDonald showed up with the Doobie Brothers. Nobody said, "Oh my God." Don't do that. That's that's awful. I mean, you know, we all have to move on, um, whether or not there's right or wrong. And and I think that's another part of this is, um, you know, for anyone who feels like um, there's any kind of, of um, way to explain why this could work, they really don't understand the insides of how a group any any real group operates there's always a dynamic there's always a psychological fit to how human beings function and if people have a sense that they should be the person who 
for whatever reason, should be um, address, have a grievance addressed or um, have some wrong righted or um, or or sort of be heard to um, essentially air out their laundry or whatever else. That's the kind of stuff that takes away from making music. Mm-hmm. I knew when I talked to Nate that he was willing to just simply make music, move forward. And I have to say to you, Scott, you've heard me. I, I'm already on, um, uh, on video now. I believe that Nate is the most single um, creative force in the band. And I know what my uh, contributions are. I know who I am in the course of the band. But I'm telling you, um, not just because of what he did in Pleasure, but most importantly, what he's done outside of Pleasure. Mm -hmm. People all over the world respect Nathaniel for what he has accomplished. He has played on every stage in the world. Just think about that. Almost. He's played on almost, (laughs) almost every stage in the world major stage he's played with you know most of the many of the greatest artists that are out there and of all of us he has the highest respect of these people in the way that we would we would count it as being um uh important or significant that's how i feel about him rightly or wrongly if i'm wrong about it i'm just another wrong human being in a very imperfect human world living my life. But what I'm not going to do is try to address people with a lot of emotional problems and baggage and or feeling like they should be, you know, calling the shots on this tune or telling, dictating to me what this should sound like. I don't have that kind of time. Um, none of us really should see ourselves as having that kind of time. We're older now. And I want to resurrect this brand. I want to get Nate, especially, the accolades and the, um, the, the respect that I think he deserves. And that is a big part of why I chose to resurrect the brand. That's the whole well, thing. I tell people just... all the time. I told someone this in London today. My guiding philosophy is, I want Nate to be happy. Ah, that's so nice of you to say that. That's my, that's my guiding philosophy. What year was it? How many years ago? Three, five, that this started happening, and who made that first phone call? Um, I, oh I my called, god! I, I think that Nate may have. You may have called me when you were in town with um with Peter White, and you right. just wanted to visit, like say hi or something. Yeah, and I said, and and I was so like. I was so shocked and I was just so honored that he called me that it was like, man, I want you to come over and just see what I'm doing. Like, you know, man, I just, please. And so um, we, we connected. I brought him to the house. He brought his bass and we just started playing together. And from there it was like, okay, we're going to make music. How many years ago was that now about? Maybe about four, five. Four what do you think? Maybe four, four years ago. So then from that, you start reaching out to some of the other guys? Well, I talked to, I told Nate, what, what do you think about resurrecting the brand? What do you think? And in his first response was, oh, man, that'd be fantastic. That'd be fantastic. 
And then my next question was, well, you know, who are you willing to work with? And very important for me, Michael, who are you willing not to work with? So my brother and I are very estranged. We've always had a very tumultuous and difficult relationship and from childhood. And um, I just wasn't willing to try to engage in putting the band together when I know who he's connected with um, and who a lot of other people are connected with. That for me just wouldn't work. So I just wanted to find out from Nate because it's just exploring what the possibilities are. Who can you work with? Who can you not work with? And Nate said, we got to have Doug. He just said it, you know, Absolutely. and I'm like, yeah, okay. So <laughs> not Nate, because he's in L.A., Scott. I set out to find Doug, okay? <laughs> this is like I'm keep telling you, I know how to get, I'm, if I have to figure out something, I would, I, would, I would figure it out. I searched and found Doug. It took a long time, and I found Doug in Portland. He was playing a gig, and I walked up to him. <laughs> he looked at me like, Michael Hepburn. <laughs> like, hey, man, Nate. I'm talking to Nate. You know, we're playing. We're really interested in trying to put the pleasure thing back together as a project. Are you interested? Oh, you know I'm interested. You know, blah, 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 blah. I reconnected, not just like just in terms of phones, Nate and Doug. So I, I succeeded in doing that. Then we thought, okay. What be the next step? And Nate and I both agreed. We thought Bruce Carter's son, who does, who, who is a very accomplished, very talented drummer, yeah, that he might be the next person, the the logical person. And um, I talked to his mom. Um, I talked to other people about his playing in the community in Portland, and it was clear that he wasn't, he wouldn't be the person. It's like I don't think that's the way it's going to work. Oh. Okay, well, what else? How? What else can we come up with? I don't know. And you know, it's like, well, Nate, you know, so many great drummers. It shouldn't be crazy. And Nate was like, yeah, I know so and so and so and so, and he's naming all these like, like a marquee names of people who, if the money was right, oh man, they do it in a heartbeat. They love pleasure. So we knew we had a possibility. And then he and I both got calls from. The drummer we're with now, we've used on the record, Brian Foxworth. Brian Foxworth grew up in, and lives in Portland, Oregon. And um, he actually was in Bruce Carter's house when we would be um, practicing because Miss um, Cunningham, Bruce Carter's mom, um, would be uh, babysitting uh, Brian. So he kind of <laughs> grew up around this. And... Brian put together a pleasure tribute band. And it occurred to me after talking to Brian for a while, because he used to like, I really want your blessing to do this. You know, I was like, yeah, you know, hey, it sounds great. And I said to Nate, here's a guy who's learned our old stuff. Why wouldn't we want to give him a chance? And Nate was like, oh, I played with Brian when I've been in Portland. He's good. You know, hey, it's, not, it's just cool. And so we started talking to Brian about it. And Brian was kind of bowled over and excited. So that was the next piece. And we decided to meet in Portland somewhere where we were hoping no one could find us. 
and um, we just played for a couple of days. Dennis flew in from Atlanta. Dennis Springer flew in from Atlanta. And Had you been in touch with him, or you just out of the blue again? We no, we told him, you know, hey, we're getting together in Portland. If you're able to get up here, that'd be fantastic. We're just going to play. We're going to see how it works, and you know, and we're going to book some time in a studio. And if it works, we're going to start making a record. We'll keep you posted. Dennis flew up. Sure did. And I think he actually had family business because he didn't come to the studio the first day of our recording. He didn't come because he had some his family stuff was going on. But he was there for at least one or two of the rehearsals. And it was like, man, this is killing. Yeah. It's like we never left. And I mean that. I mean, we, it really was. And so... That just launched it, and from there we just didn't have to look back. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We we um, I always look to the vibe of the of the situation. Who's all in the room? How does it feel? Uh, the rehearsals felt great. Everybody was up tempo, was feeling good. No drama. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, <laughs> so, God. So, so, so we went to the. When we finally got into the studio. We said, "Okay, we're going to see if we can even play together." Still, we know we can play at practice, but in the studio, when it's when the mic, when the microscope is on everything. So we're, you know, we play one song and we're listening back to it. Like, yeah, sounds pretty good. <laughs> sounds pretty good. Brian's over there screaming in the corner. Doug's like, yeah, man, yeah. You know, Michael's Michael's screaming in the corner. Yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> you know, so everybody's a cheerleader, but for good reason, because it was sounding pretty good. And so um, one song led to another, another. I don't know how many songs we did in the first day. It must have been about three or four or something. But we were so busy talking smack and having fun and enjoying each other's company. That yeah. that was the that was the that love was, right there. Yeah, that's that's the that's, that's the autograph. Wanted. That's the autograph of the life that you want to live. I really don't want. I don't have. I, when I say I don't have time, I don't mean like I don't have patience. I mean we only have so many more minutes on the planet as it is. And I'm just not willing to risk. And I say risk because I don't really know how things would work out if I opened the door for other people who were former members or whatever. I know a great deal about what's happened to a lot of these people. Um, and it hasn't been easy for any of us. Um, and I know that I know by my own having to do my own inner work and my own maturity, what it has taken to get to where I can really make something successful. All we want to do is make successful music. We are so like gratified that the that the response has been so positive. But I'm sure you understand, Scott. We couldn't predict it would be this positive so far. There's no way we could. We just wanted to do this because, hey, it's pleasure. We know what it means because we lived it. And we just want to do that part. That's the spirit we want to rekindle well i want to jump in right here a little bit because um, we talked off the air and i shared my feelings about the record and i want to let the viewers know um you know i'm not a um real bubbly kind of guy i'm a little bit laid back i don't know if you've noticed so <laughs> if if i if i like really uh, am excited about a project there's damn good reason for it and this record just really caught me off guard i mean I didn't even know you guys were, you know, bringing back another record and let alone that it would be as, as great as it is. 
it's just one of those records that you know brings that smile to my face as I listen to it because it's got all the great elements of a not only pleasure but also just a beautiful funk record you know it's got all tempos of funk um it's got some modern touches as well but Thank not you. where it loses its its identity to trendiness yes you know you've got that core identity in there that's without a doubt is pleasure Thank and you. that's so important and also to make the funk authentic you know uh, like it was back in the day, you know, it's not nostalgic to me because hardly anyone's doing that nowadays anyway, that can really do it right. Right. You know? And, yes, and you guys are. So um, the title track, especially just killer. Um, now is the time. It has a throwback to glide in it that I'm not going to say exactly what it is because I want listeners to discover it themselves. <laughs> you know? But that's a killer track. And you no know, funny listening to it. I heard a little bit of an element of like a living color in that track. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. that kind of brings it a little bit full circle in a way because, you know, here's a band that came with a rock edge in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. here you are coming back. So they, you influenced them, I'm sure, in their development, and now there's a little bit of that coming back in you, and that's a beautiful thing because it doesn't sound derivative at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know what? A little bit of what Living Color was doing had some of that in it. Um, oh, Scott, that's just so that's gratifying. Great. I, I want to just, I just want to just reflect back to you that you are you are the listener that lives in our heart. We're actually, we're. Sh- we all that's happening is we're just ce- celebrating the same musical aesthetic values. That's who we are. Like you actually get who we are and what we live for. We can't guarantee that these things will sell. We can't guarantee that these things are going to be popular. But for a person like you, who is really truly discriminating and understands the meaning of mi- of music. Not the meaning of notes on the page, not the meaning of sounds on the tape, but the meaning of the music in the moment when it happens. These are the people that we, that's who we are. So you're just reflecting that you get who we really, truly are. And all we want to do now that in this DIY do-it-yourself time is to capitalize on the freedom to make this the way it is. And, in, I, you know, when you talk about living color, when we were coming up, for your times got reared little children, and we they had to walk to school every day. No, when we were we were young, you know who it was? <laughs> it was Mother's Finest. Oh, yeah. Mother's Finest. Glenn Murdoch's been on the show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. We right. played a gig with Mother's Finest. Woo! That, was, that was our introduction to mm. the power trio. Oh my now, God. You know, we went from there to loving um, Band of Gypsies so much that if you listen to the end of Future Now, it's on there. I don't know if you remember that. It's called Dedication to the Past. And we actually took um, a little bit of uh, kind of like Jack Johnson, but it starts off kind of like with Jimi Hendrix, Rainy Day, 
And then we go into this slow but hard rocking little thing that's like right out of Jack Johnson. But the whole point was because we were so influenced by Band of Gypsies and we were loving Mother's Finest. You know, Thin Lizzy, Led Zeppelin. I mean, you know, that's why the breakout of the breakout of Now is the Time is we wanted to have that power trio moment. So these, which we had with Law of the Raw, but again, there were people in the band who did not react well to that, to that like celebration of who we could be because it was the first time we'd ever really truly done it. I want, when Nate said we, he wants the path of least resistance. That's just the proper way to say it. We just want the path of least resistance to explore these worlds, to explore new worlds, discover I, I def- new lives. I, I, defy, I defy right here now any pleasure fan to not like this new record. Ah. Wow. Well, that's what we hope we're hoping that's for. That's what we hope know. for, and I, I hope you, know, you don't cut that part out of your video. Ah, <laughs> you know, what's amazing about when you talk about now's the time is that, and Michael talking about the power thing, the power trio thing, you know, as the song goes up through his chorus, you listen to it, and then it gets to the guitar solo. I remember listening to it, and we had all the other parts going on through the guitar solo, and I was trying to trying to find a spot to work, and we need room for the guitar solo. Yeah. So I, yeah. <laughs> I just grabbed all turn on all the faders except for the bass. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm talking bass about. And drums and Doug solo. Yeah. yeah it's like it like it's like it goes into a different part. Yeah. Yes. That's, it. That's it. That's exactly right. That 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 was the intent. And when when I did that, everybody said, Oh, there it is. And so as you know, this, as the solo goes on, Michael comes in, does his classic stuff, brings in a few little things here and there. This lovely, you know, lovely coloring and taste. Lovely. <laughs> it's, it's it's almost like a suite that song in a way, which is rare for a funk track like that. Yes. Because the opening is very different. Yeah. The intro is very yeah. different. Yeah. And then you got the main part of the song. And then you've got that guitar part and then the trumpet part. The trumpet. Steve My- Monacuco. Oh. <laughs> okay, so Steve, Steve Monacuco is an up and coming, you know, jazz star. He was in he came from the same um High school that uh, Esmeralda Spalding came from, which is I think Battleground, uh, in the Portland area, I believe. Uh, Esmeralda, please, if I got it wrong, please don't don't hurt me. And um, and he is now at uh, Berkeley, but uh, they either won the Ellington competition or they came close to winning. And he went back to New York, and this is this is the story. He would have to tell you. Wynton Marcellus gave that boy a mouthpiece. Hello. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's and that's what I want to talk about, about these guys in this band. You know, I don't get to say, you know, I'm the guy. These guys on their own, Nate, Doug, they're they're incredible on their own. Well, and, that, and that's the, the thing is that that's, to me, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's what, what's important about the, the configuration now. I mean, I feel before that it was always in the presence of everyone. It was like we, but outside of the presence of everyone, it was I. In other yeah. words, you, you, you got a lot of that. I, I went through, I went through the whole '80s, hearing backlashes of what things were being said about who did what in the band, 
And it was infuriating to me. It's like, oh, no, that didn't happen that way. It didn't happen that way. But, you know, when, when people get, get, get that, get that, um, that soapbox on, on, on media and all that, it's, it's, you say that enough, and I think people will start believing it. But the, the truth of the matter is, pleasure was, was we all did it together. Yes, we did. Spearheaded by Michael, Dan, Donald. I mean, those three right there, I got to say, I mean, that's, they helped put all that stuff together. I, I brought in my songs. We all did it together. Marlon um, brought in his songs. Uh, Bruce Smith brought in his songs. You know, it, it was, it was, it was really ran democratically. That's the way it was. The, it was the chemistry of a band is so, so, so delicate. Um, there's so yes. many external things that can screw with it. Um, yes. Right, exactly. Exactly. It, like I said, it was always ran democratically. If anyone says well, anything different, it's not true. We so ran all I have to say, yeah, I, I don't want to add to that is, is think about the passion with which Nate just said that. That clearly is at the core of his belief system about what pleasure is, right? And how pleasure works. And how infuriated he got when he got feedback in the out from the outside that that wasn't what the reality was. But imagine how we would have been when we were very impressionable young people to be brought off the road with a number two hit and told, now you're going to make a solo record for Marlon because Marlon is going to be the star of the band. And you're going to write his songs and you're going to do this and you're going to do that and we're going to be even more successful than ever before. Think about if, that, if what Nate expressed is your core belief system of what the band is, think about the threat that that brings. And I just wasn't going to let it happen. I'm not going to let it happen now, Scott. It's not going to happen. It's what, not why, why do you think it is, if you guys have any idea, at that around that time, late 70s, early 80s, so many R&B, soul, funk bands went through that with their labels, whether it was LTD or the Commodores. Do, um, do you want the truth or do you want a nice answer? <laughs> well, this is so true. A, a, a part of corporate America's... A, Part of corporate America's um, um, growth structure is always to expand what they have and to utilize all of their inner resources to their fullest extent in an experimental way to try to, to increase its market share and to saturate the market. And so it was just another way to get more pleasure music out there but in a different packaging to put something else in front of it. Now, again, this is, a, this is an opinion, Scott. It's an opinion based on someone who may not have even a clue of what the reality is. But my take on it is, why would you really want something that is so successful that it's number two R&B in the country about to cross over and you want to stop it where it is and say, you're going to make a new record, but then say, not only that, you're going to make another record and let the record, let the hit that's out there fester. It just doesn't, it just wasn't. Okay, let's just be very biographical now, autobiographical. The same way that I felt when I heard that we were not going to sign the fantasy, we were going to sign the Wayne, that's exactly how I felt when I heard that. And so maybe I overreacted, Scott. Maybe well, I was wrong. I don't believe I was, and I'm not going to go back to try to do anything about it now. I, I hear you. I hear you. Now, now, I must say, though, 
I'm not sure that it was really on fantasy on that. I no, think I don't that, think it necessarily there, was. There was because uh, no, you know yeah. at the, at, at, the end the day, at, at the end of the day, fantasy said, "Okay, let's do special things. Let's go. Let's keep going." And we got we got their blessing to keep moving. Yes, we did. So, so there, there yes, was we other forces that I think might have might have um, led to that. And I'll, 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 I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. I mean, I, we're being honest that we don't really know. But, you know, we were told what we were told. We were told, yeah, we were told to get off the road and go back and make another record. We're like, oh, really? Okay. Okay. You know. this, this may be, this is a little off topic, maybe, but maybe not. You know, a similar group to you guys, maybe the most similar from a sort of... Um, origin story you know and on the same label the blackbirds you know who were um protégés of donald bird another jazz guy another horn player and on the same label um did you guys ever uh tour together and also they seem to run into trouble towards the end of the decade also with their whole deal um kind of around the same time so yeah i we we played we played as i recall two gigs um, with the Blackbirds, they were the headliner because Walking in Rhythm was their hit um, at the Paramount. We played the Paramount in Portland and the Paramount in Seattle. That's yeah. what I remember. Mm-hmm. And Donald, not, I'm not going to tell you the story, but uh, Donald Bird, uh, you know, he came with them and played with them. And when he was in Seattle, one of his um, uh, uh, comrades from Detroit, because Donald Bird is from Detroit, uh, Dr. Joe Brazil came and uh, they had they entertained us I'll just say they were telling all these great stories about coming up in Detroit because they came up with John Coltrane and you know but uh, I, we don't know anything about what the, happened with the Blackbirds but no. we did play those two we did play those two gigs yes. Kevin Tony was on the on the show yeah, and uh, he, talked, he talked not very favorably about the business arrangement with Donald Burger and what happened uh-huh. there yeah. Um, but um, well, you know, you know, yeah, you know, I I have to say, yeah, I, we don't we have nothing negative for us to say about fantasy at all. But what we what what I will say is just the the things that cause emotions to get to a point where you just want to sever ties. Um, that's a very delicate balance, like you said, and. And that's why I just want to keep saying to you, you know, I'm not one who will say I'm not wrong or I didn't make a mistake or, you know, I'm not one who looks at in my life and back in my life and 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 points to things and say, you know, I'm without any kind of responsibility. But I do believe I'm telling you the truth. And I'm really happy that I can say it and say it that way and just be transparent about it all. Mm hmm. Well, back to the new record and happier times again. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, of that, you know, when you talk about the joy that you guys have, have found again in doing this together, I think it comes out in some of the lyrics on this record, too. I mean, you look at tracks like uh, Back to Alabama, Summertime, I Like Greens and Cornbread. It's like <laughs> real feel-good, familial kind of like stuff, you know? Yes. We're not, we're not, we're not screaming back at the past. Is that what you're saying? 
It's not like, <laughs> not like David Bowie. We're not, we're not looking back in anger. No, we're not. No, not at all. No, we're I mean, not. It's a, it's a great time. It's a great time to be making music. And I think it's a great time to make a record like like this, you know. Um, I think I think we do a tiny bit of preaching on now's the time, but it's just it's, a, it's more of a rally song. It's a rally thing. Let's come on, let's you know. Everybody knows it's just it's weird stuff out there going on right now. Exactly. And why yeah, not? We, why yeah, not address? We're to talk that? about what's going on. You know, there, there's that sometimes there aren't aren't enough political songs. Back in the day, they used to have political songs all over the place. You know, but now yeah. there's not out here any. You know, so what's wrong with a political song? And so, and, and then after you get past that, there's you just, you just want to have fun, man. People want to kind of forget about all, <laughs> of this, all of this stuff that's being just just clouding our minds. When you get so much media and the TV, everything is all this so much stuff, man. Why not think about greens and cornbread? Sometimes hey, I just want to have that, that's, that's, a that's a righteous <laughs> JB type groove on that one. <laughs> right, man. That's all it was, man. So just trying to have some fun, so, man. So that. That is a great segue to talk about Doug, because, you know, that's a Doug groove. Doug really brought some fantastic musical ideas for this record. And so it really also celebrates Doug being able to, for us to really take, you know, what he has to offer and really give him some real credibility. Because that was a crowded bandwidth back in the day when he first came to the band with Future Now. It just yeah. wasn't a lot of bandwidth for his music to actually give it, um, you know, the the spotlight that it deserved. What I wanted to ask, what inspired the uh, song for my father? Was that seems a uh, personal? Michael, well, you wrote those lovely lyrics. I, I think I can't. I don't think he's talking about that. But let's just say <laughs> the song came. Let's, let's tell you how it went down. Um, so so. Um, we're 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 really excited after our first couple of sessions in the studio, and and I want you to know, we didn't record just the funk that's on that record. We recorded some incredible jazz that we're going to release. I mean, we just decided that instead of it being a record like the old days where there's a, a one jazz cut and you know, or maybe this and a progressive jazz cut, that we're going to actually just do a funk record and a jazz record. And I'm gonna drop something for you, just. Do you know who Onaje Allen Gums is? No. Okay. Um, he is a keyboard player who played back in the day with like um, Norman Connors, okay. like the earliest stuff. Like, you ever hear when Dee Dee Bridgewater was singing with Norman Connors and yeah. Derby was playing? Well, a couple of songs in those that's those sessions. Onaje was playing, but Onaje actually played with Woody Shaw. Do you remember the trumpet player, Woody mm -hmm. Shaw? Oh, sure. So when we met Onaje, we had played the Apollo Theater in New York, and he came and got us, and he took me to watch him, um, him uh, rehearse with Woody Shaw on a, in acoustic jazz, and I think he's actually on a recording with Woody Shaw, and then he'd go play with Norman Connors and Gary Bartz and all those guys. <laughs> but we connected with him for some of the stuff that's one of the tunes that's on this jazz record. Um, but anyway, so we're really excited. And, and I say, you know, Nate, can you just send me stuff that you think would be great to like really round this album out? And he sends me, you know, people call them demos. He, he just sends me these 
banging, just banging incredible tunes. And um, they're instrumental. And I get so excited about them that the next time we get in the studio, I think it was because we were recording Dennis, uh, right. overdubbing on some of these things, that I'm like, okay, we need to just take a break. Everybody needs to hear these tunes. <laughs> so we put these tunes up on the big studio monitors, and we're just going and going and going and going. I think Summertime was in there. Yeah. And Nate says, well, this I just hear something in this about Summertime. I just hear something about Summertime. Then this comes, you know, I just, like, Song for My Father. And that was actually the title on it. The title of the, right. the groove was Song for My Father. And I'm feeling, the way I feel right now, Scott, where I am in life, it's like, why can't we just take the themes that we get and just, like, develop them the way they are? And just, you know, you know, I want to be a storyteller, so tell a story about Song for My Father. Like, just, you know. Tell it, do it, get it, you know, just let it out. And so, you know, over time, we developed the lyrics. They weren't hard. It wasn't laborious. You know what I mean? It wasn't like somebody saying, yeah, but it got a rhyme with Henny Minigan. You know, <laughs> it's just, it was just so, if that's how, when we talk about this being the path of least resistance, it's not a bunch of um, machinations to get to a particular objective. It's just, where can these ideas properly lead? Let the universe lead them. Let's just be creative. Let's have fun with it and see if it works. If it doesn't work, go back to the drawing board. We had to go back to the drawing board on a couple of things, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I'm just glad that that's how we're working. That's what makes sense. And so I just told a story about, you know, why I love, I could, why a, a kid or a man could love his father, sitting him down and telling him, hey, this is how I fell in love with your mom. That's right. it's very simple. Yeah. Well, hey, Father's Day is in a few weeks. So perfect. Ah, thank you. <laughs> thank and you. summertime, summer's coming up. You're right in there. Um, well, I hope this record gets the exposure and distribution that it deserves. Um, and uh, man, a jazz record coming. I can't wait for that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, we'll we'll we're on it, and uh, um, you know, I mentioned, you know, we're drop we we plan to drop a single in the summer that I think is going to really truly um, be a nod to Nate's incredible abilities, talent as a performing bassist, virtuoso bassist, but also as a producer. And I'm hoping it is like the party fun record of the yeah. summer and the fall. I'm hoping it gets transcribed in Bass Player Magazine because it, uh, it will deserve it. I'm going to tell you right now. Well, one of, the, one of the questions I had prepared coming into this with you guys was, um, you know, asking if you thought, and maybe this is better. I was going to ask Nate, but maybe it's better to ask you, Michael. And I think I know what your answer will be based on what you said already. You know, do you think that Nate should be, on the same level of recognition of your, you know, Lewis Johnson's and your Mark Adams and your, um, you know, maybe Larry Graham's and a whole other thing. But, you know, these, these well-known bass players, I think he's right in there. People in the know know that, but I'm not sure he's as much of sort of a household name in that way as yeah. some of the other guys. 
Here's my answer. That's what this single is all about for me. Like I, I said to you, my guiding philosophy is I want this gentleman to be happy. And I want him, again, I don't have to be successful. I'm telling you, I'm devoting my energy to, to hold him up for the recognition I believe he deserves. I have accomplished a few things. I can't make this happen, but I can help the music happen. That's what I, that's my part that I can do. I appreciate you saying that. That's great. I feel honored. And uh, I, I have to say, I was never one, one to really try to, to, to compete or to try to be on any level. Anyway, I think for me, it was just, I just loved being a part of a group situation. I just loved that. It was like, it was like watching, watching something bigger than me develop, and I'm a part of it. That's always how I had to look at situations like that. Um, I, I, someone told me a while back, they were talking about the song Glide, and they said, um, you know, you should, that bass solo you did on there was really cool, and I, I, it was kind of like a wink, wink, wink. For me, now, now the story of that is, when we were when we did that take and we decided to do a breakdown, I was just playing rhythm. I was just playing with the band. When you hear that bass breakdown, everybody else is playing along with it. We just brought the faders down. Now we we did that a couple of times before we mixed it, and for one second I thought about maybe I should do a solo there, maybe. Mm-hmm. But you know, after listening to it over and over again and listening and watching the reaction on the guys' faces in the studio. I said, well, who, why would I want to mess that up? Just leave it, leave it as what it is, you know. So, you know, that, I mean, that's how, that's how I think about things. Yeah, I, I have a lot of things musically that I still want to say, and, and, and hope if I'm around long enough, I'll be able to say them. But um, I'm, I'm first and foremost when it comes to band. I'm a band member, man. I just do what I do. I contribute. I want the guys to contribute. That's how. That's how the sound happens, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, thank you for all the accolades, and and I appreciate that, and uh, I will wear that with humility and 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 with grace because that's, that's the way it is. But you know, I never tried to be on the level of anybody. I always thought that Lewis did what he did, Larry did what he did, um, you know, Marcus, all these guys. I think I think I I have a little spot, man. I think I have a spot. I'm, I'm yes, happy. I do. I'm, I'm happy. You know what? As you're saying this, Dean, you know, I'm, I think it's going all all back to that record cover over your right shoulder there that you mentioned at the outset. You know, uh, James Jamerson and, yes. and and James Alexander and these guys that held the bottom and didn't go for you know the spotlight. Mm-hmm. But the the sum of the whole was most important. That's what it always was for me, and especially in pleasure. Now, now, grant you, I would always try to sneak something in because I was listening to all those great fusion guys and all that. I would try to sneak a little thing in there here and there just to see if it would take. <laughs> I wasn't shy about it. <laughs> I wasn't shy about it. But as long as it worked within the structure of, of the situation, what we're doing, and, that, and that's a good thing. It, it, it all contributed to the to the overall thing, and that's that's that was that, those are the. The moments that I'm I'm most proud of. I did a solo record, and you know I loved. A, a, you know it's different doing a solo record, man. It's a different kind of thing. <laughs> it's different. You know you're playing, you're playing, you're solo on every single record. And I, I remember talking to Wilton Felder about that. We, Wilton Felder did a, solo, a couple of solo records. He would always tell me, man, 
And the worst thing I, worst thing about making a solo record is hearing myself on every song. I don't. <laughs> Wilton was a great sax player, but he was also a bass player, so he understood being in doing the doing the support thing. He was he wasn't a fan of hearing himself all the time, and that's the way I, I kind of feel about 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 you know solo records. Yeah, they're great, and and you and and you know. Maybe it's a good thing to do for financial gain or, or just establish yourself. But at the same time, I just, I wish I could do a solo record where I have every, all the other bass players play on it. <laughs> that would be great to me. I would love to have that. Bring in, you know, some of my favorite guys like, like um, you know, Alex Al and, you know, all those great guys like that. I bring, bring them in on it, you know. Well, that's kind of like the way uh, people like George Duke did solo albums, you know, where they had just everybody. Yeah, everybody. Fantastic songs. records, too. Yeah. That was the way to make a record. Everybody would tell you, you know, so it's funny how we're just sharing the same values, bouncing off of each other, um, the three of us, is everybody would say, George Duke, now that's the way to make a record. That's, we, yeah. all, we all know his records were like the best. We love George Duke. No question oh, about yeah. it. Yep, he is missed. Yes, he is. Yeah, well, I know we're closing in on it, but I just do want to say what Nate is saying that he loves to do um, to, to contribute something that helps uh, um, uh, something be bigger than the, the sum of its parts. He didn't just bring that in his base work on this record. He brought it in the arranging. He brought it in the vocal work. He brought it in recording all the vocals and stuff. And he brought it in the mixing because this is these are his mixes. And so I do want to make sure when you when he when you hear him talking about what he's bringing, it's not just bass playing. It's production. It's concept. And it's fantastic. That's why I'm glad in the intro I mentioned all of those yes. attributes. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, I felt it was, it, was, it was my job, and I think Michael assigned me that job anyway, <laughs> to, to make sure that everybody sounds the best they could sound. I mean, yep. they're, they're, going back to our earlier discussion, we were talking about questionable things, the things you wish you could have redone, things like that. There were tough decisions that had to be made, you know, but at the same time, you know, think things things can be worked out nowadays. We we have ways of, of doing things that were where where you can keep the spirit of it and still hold on to the value of it. You know what I mean? Yes. So so we we managed to work that out. It took it took, it took a minute. It took us a while to, to do it. And uh, I'm just glad we captured the spirit of of, of the of, of the performances because all those are live performances. Basically, we just came in there and played. You know. Um, well, speaking of live, or do you guys think you'll do any shows? We want to. I hope so. We're trying, man. We're trying. We'll we really, see. We'll see. We want to. We, we want. You know, we're 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 you know we we're this. There's just, another thing. This see? first couple of weeks have caused a great deal of discussion with a lot of different people, and uh, I think I can talk about Randy. Is it okay to talk about Randy Nate? Sure, if it's okay well, with him. I think if okay it's okay with, with you to talk about Randy Hall? Why not? Okay, well, Randy Randy Hall is a vocalist who um, we think a great deal of, and we've worked with uh, on the Give It Up record, but he also worked on uh, a Miles Davis record, Man With The Horn, and some other things. 
He has a hit record right now in the UK. It's charted at number 17. Um, and call him, call, call him for love. But he's had uh, two number one hit records in the UK prior. And uh, we've, we're, we've been talking to him over the last couple of days because we're hoping to be able to bring him back with us and to be able to not only kind of you know, help with some of the stuff he's doing, because it's so successful, but also to repackage that component aspect to pleasure also. And, uh, you know, he is, he's a, he's not just a great vocalist, but that boy can play some guitar. I'm Amazing serious. Guitar. You're talking about some George Benson. And I mean, he can play. And so um, we're just, uh, we're just looking forward. We're hopeful. And we're hopeful that we can result in some really excellent live uh, performances as, a, as an ensemble that really is a high quality. Virtuosity, yeah. you know, that's what yeah. we really want. Absolutely. That's, and that, that's the plan. And we, we really want to get out there and play, you know, some stuff from the new project as well as, as, as share and all those, all those other songs that people have been, over the years, been asking about that they want to hear the band get back together and play those songs, man. That's what we want to do. We want to play, we want to run the long gamut, play all the songs, man. That's that's the idea. Just so, promise uh, me you'll come to uh, the Carolinas if you do that. <laughs> the Car yeah. That sounds fantastic. If, if, if it all works out, we'll try We'll try to get him, hit as many spots as we can, you know. Mr. 